The following is a sponsored review. Hello, and welcome back to the 801 Reviewed. I'm Cho. And I'm Mel. And today we are reviewing OU's Crossword Men from Rotten Blossoms. The official summary for Crossword Men on Rotten Blossoms' site says, a series of short stories featuring three different high school couples. The titles within the collection are, Men Who Can't Be Pushed or Pulled, Rivals to Question Marks, Men Who, oh, sorry, Men with Blood Types B and O, Friends to Lovers, and a Fang Fan and a Fanged Man, Friends to Lovers, 18 plus. For content warnings, this collection contains light teasing slash bullying, light dupe con, and lightsaber dicks. You have been warned about those lightsaber dicks. Yeah, there is a danger of cutting yourself on those, I've heard. Okay. In Men Who Can't Be Pushed or Pulled, Rivals to Question Marks, we follow a pair of rivals to maybe lovers on a totally non-date to karaoke. So for this story, I really, really liked it. Like it's only a few pages long, um, but I thought it was hilarious. I have a special place in my heart for the, I didn't know we were dating the entire time trope, especially when it's rivals or enemies to lovers. So, oh, you just so happened to sit in each other's laps. You just so happened to go to karaoke together. And in the end, they make a plan for another totally non-date. Like I found it to be short, funny and sweet and just like, they're both really dense and I just, I fucking enjoyed it. What about you? I really liked it. Um, I'm a big karaoke fan myself and I've really been missing being able to go and do karaoke at like round one. So this one was, was really cute and really spoke to me. Um, and I, I think it's just interesting because I'm not a huge fan of Rivals to Lover. So I like um, in this kind of like short story format, being able to, you know, have a taste of it and see, you know, see how I like it to see if I'd want to explore more here um it's just it was it was surprisingly uh cute because i guess when i think of rivals to lovers sometimes i conflate it with enemies to lovers which it is different but here it was more of like they're just trying to kind of like not outbro themselves but like they would they would find times where they would find something they liked together like a band and then they'd immediately have to just be like oh no i you know they'd have to go back to hating each other <laughs> because they're in such competition um that's got to be like a trait of just like I don't know. It's like a boy thing. Cause, cause I don't think, cause I've never had that happen. Um, but it was just, it was very like no homo. <laughs> it was, it was kind of cute. But why do you think rivals to lovers appeals to Fujoshi? Like for me, I have a special place in my heart for rivals to lovers because it's twofold, the unresolved, but hopefully soon to be resolved tension and the spark of chemistry you get with two opposing sides that are drawn to each other. So you know what they say, love and hate are similar emotions and they come from the same place. If you don't like someone, you just don't feel any like feelings for them. Hate means you're like very invested in that person. And we talked about this in our episode with Crystal Marie on Queer Rivals, how important someone must be to another character for them to occupy such a big space in their mind. And the boys in this story are like thinking about their rival nonstop clearly. And I love that for them. Yeah, it's really gay when like your guy thinking about another guy, even if it's because you don't like them. Um, and that's, and that probably drives them crazy too. Cause they're like, it's gay, but it's not, I'm no homo. Like I, yeah. I can only imagine what goes through the two brain cells. These, these teen boys must have, <laughs> um, they're using all of them to, to, for spite. Um, I, th I think that it appeals to people because when it, when it comes to like childhood best friends, like you have that built in dynamic, 
Um, and maybe maybe eventually the story lets you learn more about them. But the, the premise is mm-hmm. basically that they already know so much about each other. It's kind of an easier, like, you know, move into lovers. Like, they've already been friends. Like, they've already been so close. Whereas I think Rivals to Lovers has more of that, like... Um, spiciness not in the sexual sense but in the, in the sense that you these characters have to get to know each other because they have these preconceived notions about how the other character is and they're going to discover things that make them question those preconceived notions and eventually they're gonna have to drop their guard down so it's kind of a gap moe in a way where you've got specifically in this case too you have very like you know i don't know red-blooded like japanese schoolboys who who are going to mm-hmm. act one way and they're having to they're they're gonna eventually we can we can probably tell act a different way because they're gonna you know we know they're gonna fall in love and they're gonna like do stuff and so when it comes to BL too you oftentimes have the issue of like gender and sexual orientation coming into play because you have presumably sometimes straight guys who are then gonna fall in love with another guy and even if the characters are gay it's still um that interesting dynamic of we didn't we don't like each other but now we do like each other like when the sex gets conflated with like the feelings it's like it is an identity crisis yeah. <laughs> on all <laughs> all fronts um and that's incredibly <laughs> interesting from a narrative perspective um and like i said there's kind of that gap moe that gets employed um which is why i think a lot of people ship rivals to lovers when it comes to non-bl ships it's yeah. it's simply put sometimes more interesting <laughs> than childhood best friends i can see why people like it all right, next up in our story, we have Men with Blood Types B and O, and it centers on a friends to lover story with Kaji and Mikami with some bonus maid outfit action. So there are two things that drew me to this title. One was the dense boys tag, and the other was the cross-dressing tag. And this story includes both those things in droves. So Kaji is a dumb, lovable idiot, and Mikami must be some moral sexual because how cute was Kaji when he was like trying to confirm that Mikami loved him, even though it was totally obvious, like every hint that he was dropping, it wasn't like even a real hint. It was like hitting him over the head with, hey, I like you. Hey, you're exactly the kind of dude that I'm into. And he was still like, I wonder what he meant by that. And I love that kind of shit with my friends, the lovers, where it's like, it's obvious that your friend is really into you, but because maybe, you know, you've been friends for so long that you just can't imagine him seeing you any other way and it's like I guess a mental block in your head I don't know it's just it was really cute to me and even though I found the maid outfit that was promising the tags to be a tad too modest um, I mean it was for a school thing so obviously he can't be out here in like a g-string or anything but I thought it was really cute and obviously Mikami liked it as well how did you feel about this story it reminded me of that uh, free OVA from season two where they have the school festival arc uh, which even though mm-hmm. I'm, you know, on record as saying I'm not the biggest fan of uh, high school stories anymore, I have a soft spot for the, the school festival because you have things like this where, where the guys get to cross-dress. And it's um, cross-dressing in the sense that they're kind of like forced into it. It's like, you know, they got conscripted <laughs> to the military. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so they're always a little bit like pouty about it, which is just so cute where it's like, oh, it's, you know, I don't want to say like forced cross-dressing is like my kink because it's probably not, but um, it has that extra element here where, you know, you've got that dynamic. Um, and of course, in this case, it's a it's a very convenient tool for the character to get jealous about things like, oh, you shouldn't show this to other people, which normally I would just be like, this boy's allowed to do and wear what he wants. Like, don't mm-hmm. slut shame him or, you know, like it's not like he, like, 
if anybody does something to him, it's not his fault. Like, I'm not going to victim blame this guy. But in, this, mm-hmm. in the structure of BL, it's, you know, you, you know, and you're a little bit more open to these kinds of, like, tropey things because it makes sense for the romance or it's just, like, fun in a way that it's like, mm-hmm. okay, if he's going to get jealous because he thinks a guy's going to look up his skirt and it's going to make him, like cabed on him somewhere or something like that you know like that's what's interesting um yeah even though irl i'd just be like oh can you not <laughs> but it was cute here um because i think that what's interesting is the character got selfish in the beginning whereas normally when we think about bl like it's like, like don't be cruel like these boys have been going at it for like nine or ten volumes it's like what at least over a year of dating in BL terms. Okay, maybe it's six months. I don't know how long. But, like, they've been screwing rather regularly. And then suddenly, like, all this time in, like, a year into this relationship of, like, fucking all the time, suddenly he's like, oh, I'm jealous of, like, his, like, co-worker or somebody he knows at school. And it's like, but, like, you don't even, like, it's just, it's so sudden. And it's like, that's my least favorite trope in all of BL is the, like, sudden onset jealousy once the relationship gets stable. It's like, no, 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 it was fine. You didn't yeah. need to attack it. But I know that there's, like, a narrative re- reason to do it because, like, things have gotten stale. And maybe people don't always want to read, like, existing couple having, like, healthy sex all the time. And I'm like, I don't know. It, it just, it really <laughs> bothers me. So it was nice here to not see it be that. So it's like, we're going to get the jealousy out of the way. And it's kind of cute in this case because it's starting the relationship. Uh, we'll get that out of the way. And then hopefully things will progress more healthily, better. They're going to already overcome it, you know, or it's just, it, it didn't seem toxic like it does in other BL where it's like, yeah. no, just grow up and talk to each other like real people. <laughs> I mean, you bring up a really good point, like with tropes, which is really what this entire collection is about, is like common tropes that we know and we love. You allow things that you wouldn't really be for in real life. Like jealousy, I think in real life is like really cringy and nobody likes it. Like there's nothing romantic about it. It kind of makes you angry to see like someone being like, no, no one can look at like my girlfriend or boyfriend because they're just for me. And like, why are you looking at them? And it's like, I just shut up. But in BL, suddenly it's magically transformed to this very romantic thing. And part of that is the distance you get between like real life and fiction. The tropes for a reason. They're easy to understand. They're what you expect. And they're fantastical in a way. And in this situation, it was really cute for him to be like, you can't show anybody else this. Like, if this was real life, one, I would be wondering, why is someone forcing this teenage boy to cross-dress against his will? Um, but also, I think it's just it's just really, really sweet. And that recently came up in a Thai BL I was watching, actually. And I thought the same thing, like, you know, in real life, this would be totally toxic and I would not be for it. But it's not real life and these boys don't actually exist, so I'm all here for that. And it's really cute. All right, so... In the story, Kaji is type B, or the selfish type, and Mikami is type O, the optimistic type. Do you believe one's blood type dictates their personality? Like, I love the idea of astrology in general, and I love to guess my friends' signs and enlighten them about their traits, such as you, you Aquarius. <laughs> but even though I've known about the Japanese blood type personality theory for a really long time now, I never really looked into it. Um, maybe that's just the Leo in me, I don't know. This story prompted me to look more into it because while reading of what Kaji had to say about his blood type, which is subsequently my blood type, B, I kept thinking, like, is blood type B just Gemini blood? You no, know, people give Geminis a really, like, bad rap. And 
really unfairly, one, it's the only like certified brothers sign. So that makes it an already like an inherent good for one. Um, and maybe I'm being biased now because I'm blood type B, but from what I've read, it's just associated with people who are easygoing, bubbly and honest. You know, they speak their mind and they like focusing on their work, you know, without people interfering with them. And that's pretty much me, minus the bubbly part. So I'm like, hey, Kaji, it's totally fine. Like we're, we're B bros. What about you? Do you believe in any of this? Um, I don't really have very much familiarity with the Japanese blood type system. Um, I will admit that I, I've kind of, I've seen it like in anime and manga, but when I, like there's only four types. So it just seems mm -hmm. really like broad versus the 12 types you have with the Western Zodiac, mm -hmm. uh, which I identify more with because I feel like it's more specialized and I definitely think I'm Aquarius, fits me to the T. Um, mm -hmm. So I would be blood type O. Um, that's, that's what I am. So hearing here that it's like an optimistic type, like I wouldn't describe myself as a pessimistic person, but I would definitely not describe myself as an optimistic person either. Mm. Um, I tend to sometimes hold on to the past or if things are bad, like I, I can sometimes have a hard time getting out of it. Like I can always rationally see the, like, you know, the good in something but that doesn't erase like the realities of it. So I, I think I'm maybe too much of a realist uh, to really identify as the optimist here. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I mean, from what I've read, like after reading this, I was like, oh wait, I'm type B. I should probably actually look up what that means. Uh, I went to go look it up and O is associated with one Japanese prime ministers. A lot of them are blood type O. And the way they describe it is um, optimistic, but also eccentric visionaries, um, you know, highly confident type. Does that sound a little bit more like I know they're broad because there's only like so many yeah. of them, but. I mean, I don't know if being in the company of Japanese prime ministers is good or bad. <laughs> I, I'm going to take it as a positive because I'm going to think that, okay, it does. You do have to get voted into that office, I think. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, people have to generally like you well enough for you to stick around um, for, you know, a couple of months <laughs> <laughs> going by Japanese politics. Um, but, you know, like, say what you will about politicians, but I guess that is kind of a visionary look. And I do feel like I identify with that. Um, I think I'm a little bit more honest than politicians <laughs> compulsively. But I mean, uh, most people it. have to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. you don't have to. I guess you should be. Yeah. theoretically I think about but it. i think like most uh american presidents fall into like fire signs like they're leos or they're gemini's like trump was a gemini and mm. i'm sorry to all my gemini's out there i know you get a bad rap like with kanye west and now donald trump but like, mm. i know there's good in you but you have to have like a high amount of confidence to think that you as an individual deserve to be in charge of an entire country. And I think that's where it comes from, right? Like you have to have like, yeah. I know that my vision is good and I feel like I can get the job done. And you need people like that. Like you don't need people who are, you know, I guess type Bs or type ABs where you're more like go with the flow. You need someone who's like, I, okay, this needs to be done. I will put myself to the forefront and do it. So that's how I like to yeah. think of it. I almost said like, I, you don't need betas. And then I was like, no, we're going to add another layer onto this. <laughs> oh yeah. What's categorizing your, oh, quickly, ourselves. So yeah. Omega Put your uh, alpha, beta, omega alignment in the, the comments. Which one are you? Which one are you? <laughs> oh, I don't want to know. Whatever like selfish type. I was wondering what Kaji meant by that, but I think it's more like self-centered in, in terms of like reading about him, like him being lost in his own world. Like, 
oh, Mikami is like treating me like this now. Like, I wonder what that means. And if you were like on the outside looking in, you'd be like, obviously he's into you. But because Kaji's world is so inward, he's confused. I guess is not as observant about what's going on in Mikami's world. And that's that's how I interpret it. Like, mm-hmm. not self-centered isn't like a bad thing, though that is a bad thing. But as in like, you're very focused on your inner world and you miss things around you. And Kaji yeah. missed his best friend being in love with him, so... Oh, that's definitely, like, there is a very specific uh, BL boy type that (laughs) definitely, like, you can hit him over the head, you can say all the things, um, and he's like, what, like, I think of, um, in Hitori's Jimmy, my hero, even, Hasekura and um, Kensuke are, like, dating, and Mm. Kensuke's, like, he's, he's, like, waffling on, like, wanting to have sex, and I don't take it necessarily as, like, an asexual thing, it's more of, like, this boy's so dumb, like, he didn't really think... Like, he's just not hit that point in puberty yet for whatever reason where it's, mm-hmm. like, clicked with him. And it's, like, but you're dating. And he's suddenly surprised when it's, like, what? It's, like, surprise Pikachu. Like, he wants to have <laughs> sex with me. It's, like, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> like, it's so weird. But I, it's, it's really cute, actually, where the boy, it's, like, the next level of, oh, I didn't know we were flirting. It's, like, yeah. and then I didn't know we were dating. It's, like, oh, we're dating. I didn't know what comes next. <laughs> um, so... Another friends to lovers story that we have is a fang fan and a fanged man, um, which is a sexy take on the trope. Uh, it has a protagonist who's baffled that his best friend has taken a special interest in his fangs. So full disclosure, I was waiting for this story of all three because of the 18 plus in the title, um, because I am horny and unashamed of that. Uh, originally I was like, I've never heard of a fang fetish before, but then I remembered like, you know, Ren has a lot of fangirls and like, those mischievous delinquent characters usually have at least one fang tooth that you can see whenever they open their mouths and people go crazy for that shit. I occasionally go crazy for that shit actually now I think about it. So, you know, I guess I was being a little dense and <laughs> self-centered in that case. Um, but uh, the licking in this, uh, so his friend is just constantly like looking at him now and like noticing his fangs and like licking them in public no matter where what's happening. And it's very distressing and confusing for this character. Um, I'm guessing this is where the light dupe contact comes in because, you know, he just can be sitting somewhere and they're talking and then suddenly he has a tongue in his mouth and he has no idea where it came from or why. Um, but this all accumulates in a sweet and steamy makeout session at the end of the story. And this was not at all what I was expecting to get from this story. Um, when I saw the 18 plus, I thought it was going to be like, you know, like lightsaber dicks out flapping all around <laughs> um and it ended up being just a lot cuter and sweeter than i thought it was going to be so what did you think about this yeah to your point about um the fang characters i like when i was reading this initially i was like fangs like what like that's a little weird <laughs> especially because it's like right in the middle of class and nobody seems to have said anything and i was like there's got to be at least one Fujoshi <laughs> in there um but I remembered the character now from Escape Journey has like the one tooth and then like, of course, 50% off when they talk about Ren, they're like, huh, look at him with his like one shark tooth out or whatever, but like Ren's dad. <laughs> and it just sticks in my head about the one tooth, the one thing. Um, <laughs> and, and it's really, it's really adorable. Um, and I think that this is, I'm going to go ahead and say it, it's probably an underserved audience. Uh, I, I guarantee you there's other people who are really into fangs. Not, I'm not saying that I am per se, um, but I think there's people who like this, who probably want to see more characters like this. And it's really cute because I think when we think of like kink, we tend to think of things that are like very 
hardcore BDSM, like getting tied up, getting railed with a bunch of sex toys, like that kind of like Fifty Shades of Grey stuff, which is, that's Mm. not even real good kink. Shouldn't say that. But this is more like kink light, if you want to call it that. Um, Yeah. Kind of like in Jackass, where he's Mm -hmm. got like the pantyhose fetish. Um, and it's it's definitely sexualized, but on the surface, it's not it's not necessarily sexual. Um, and I just love the idea that maybe this guy has been friends with his you know his friend for for ages, and either suddenly developed like maybe over the weekend he discovered he has a fan kink because he was whatever on Wikipedia or the <laughs> internet or something, um, or like you just you suddenly discover something about your friend that you didn't know. It's like because I'm also like how did he not know he had a fang? Like they don't just grow in. Um, <laughs> I guess it literally did grow in at some point with his baby teeth. But the point being is the fact that he's suddenly discovering something new about his friend that he didn't realize before. And that's really endearing. Yeah. It's like a metaphor, basically, for falling in love. Like, I think about that John Green quote, like, you fall in love like you fall asleep slowly and then all at once. And when it's someone that's been there with you for a really long time, like, you know, you grew up with them, you know, you see them every day it can be easy, I guess, to have them sort of like fade into the background in your mind. Like you're so used to seeing them that you don't really notice them there. And then when your feelings about them change, suddenly you start noticing new things about them. And like, suddenly it's like, oh, have you always had that thing in your mouth? Or, well, no matter, I guess I'm just going to like lick it and (laughs) I guess, you know, go off my id impulses. But I thought it was really cute. Like, and you're right, like, Fang fans are clearly an underserved Fujin market, and OU Sensei is out here ready to give you guys your due. So, rejoice, Fang fans. You no longer have to be just content with Ren anymore. You, you can now read titles like this. So, we actually got some insight into OU Sensei's thoughts on this particular subject while she was creating it. Um, during the I've Never Thought of You as a Friend scene, OU Sensei says, At first, you're never told how the Fang liquor feels, but this page reveals to the reader his feelings for the first time, showing how he is just as worked up and heated as the boy with Fangs. Both the boy in the story and the one from Men with Blood Types B&O, Mikami, are the type to show their feelings via action over words. I really love getting to draw scenes where characters like that finally give in and put words to their feelings. And I totally feel this from her, like, whether it's himbos who aren't very good at thinking at all or fuck boys with hearts of gold who are used to thinking with their dicks and not their hearts or just really repressed older brothers i love it when those characters like have a hard time just like speaking and saying what they feel or maybe they don't even fully understand what they feel and they just act on it i love that and when you know those kind of characters that usually act before they think or speak finally do like say those magical words you get just like a a fluffy butterfly feeling in you yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, I, I think that it's kind of like a gap moe in a way, mm-hmm. um, because you have the characters who they, I guess they think that it's going to go one way, or they have this one preconceived notion of like their relationships, the world, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And then through the course of everything, again, it's getting changed. Um, and it's that kind of uh, narrative dissonance or the difference in their character types um or like that like especially like with himbos it's like they have to go from like dumb to like i don't know smart about romance like really quick (laughs) or something like 
I guess the relation, the fact that the relationship has the power to change the character for better Mm -hmm. is what's really appealing um, because you start to see characters who open up about themselves, um, kudere's who become more uh, responsive or more emotional in bed, uh, or himbos who have to, (laughs) yes, who have to learn, um, you know, how to be communicative or. Or just the way that it, the relationship doesn't, like, warp their personality in a bad way, but it, it just, like, they have to adapt to that. I think that's really what's interesting. Like, that's why we keep reading this stuff. Like, we like mm-hmm. to see all of these different character types because we want to see how they respond. Like, they're all being thrown the same stimulus, but they all respond differently, um, which is really interesting. Yeah. And it means something where you can get invested into a character enough to, like, want them to be better and then can root yeah. for them when they are yeah like everybody wants them to be happy and like we all want our characters to kind of work through things um and so even when you've got a kind of a short story like this where these are more like ficlets really um Mm -hmm. in a way like it's using a lot of the same literacies that dr santos talks about like i love Mm -hmm. saying this thank you so much dr (laughs) santos for enlightening us about this because we're able to connect the dots so we're you know we know kind of how things are supposed to go in a bl we know the different character tropes like you said this is a very tropey one where it's relying on our knowledge of rivals to lovers and best friends or even things like you know a kink to understand how the story is going to progress Um, And that's what helps us kind of move it along, but also helps us be able to think about like, oh, what were these characters like before? Or, you know, what were they like after? And I I understand that this was a story that started out even shorter. Like these were one page stories that really started out and then were posted on Twitter and everybody really responded well and told the artist like, no, we'd love to see more. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's, I would love to see more still. Um, That's what's interesting is, is I think that this is one where I don't want to say I was challenged in a bad way, but it helped me. Like I definitely was like relying on those narratives and those literacies in my head to help me kind of think about these characters and and connect the dots. And it was, it was fun to do that. So both men with blood types B and O and a fang fan and a fang man deal with the friends to lovers trope. Our personal club research has found that to be one of the most common relationship types in BL. Why do you think this tried into trope has remained so popular? So I'm going to go with the obligatory brother fucking comment. I know. I mean, I know I already talked about brother fucking way too much and, and this isn't about brother fucking at all, but really what is brother fucking, but best friends to lovers trope for people who aren't cowards, right? That is to say it invokes familiarity, comfort, and a long-term understanding between two characters. I mean, what is a partner, but a best friend really? So it's no surprise that friends to lovers is such a popular trope. I mean, even rivals to lovers actually ends up playing out as rivals to friends to lovers most of the time. Yeah, I'm still, I had to like, try not to laugh too hard at that comment about (laughs) brother fucking and cowards. And, you know, I think it's true. I, as a brother fucking connoisseur myself, childhood best friends is another trope that I enjoy because it is, it's, they're very similar. I mean, you're your sibling is theoretically your first best friend, you know, when you're growing up, like it's a built-in thing. Um, I think that it's one of those where, because the characters already kind of understand each other and they like each other, Mm -hmm. it's theoretically less problematic in the sense that I know that some people feel like rivals to lovers is unhealthy because Mm -hmm. in the sense that if it's really like an enemies to lovers or the rivalship is not maybe 
the best. Like, I understand there's discourse about, like, Baku Deku because, like, of things Bakugo has, like, done in the past or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if that is troublesome to some people, then, like, that could put them off from rivals to lovers tropes. Whereas childhood best friends, like, they already, they they get along. They're not dicks to each other. Like, yeah. you know, it, it's appealing in that sense. It also has the, like, you know, oftentimes they're so dense that they just don't know that they've realized each other and himbos and, like, dense boys is like a thing right now it's kind of in the in the the zeitgeist mm-hmm. of fujoshi <laughs> life um so i i think that and, and i'm starting to see more where it's like or i guess i've just n- never paid attention to how stupid they really were like the older i get the more i'm just like god these boys are just so dumb <laughs> but I, I think it's interesting um and it's it's interesting because it's it's again it's changing a relationship they've always had so if they've had this kind of comfortable space of being friends for like a decade or 15 years and then suddenly they have to transform that it's actually a really good foundation like i know that it could be tricky for the relationship but it's like well they already know each other so well that they don't have to have that weird period of like getting to know each other like it's a lot easier for them to move into sex i think which is great for me as a reader um but I feel a lot stronger about those relationships. Like sometimes when there's an opposites attract or they're like rivals to lovers, I'm like, okay, this is lasting because it's a BL manga, but like how realistic is this? Like, are you going to be able to overcome this long term? Like, you know, is one volume's worth of like you suddenly changing your mind about this guy when you've not liked him for how many years? That's a little implausible <laughs> um, because I also have to be like, okay did you like was there like underlying like sexual tension like did you did you really like him and you were trying to like you were you know you're puffing yourself up you're like oh i don't like this guy because you secretly are in love with him but otherwise (laughs) i'm like where does the sexual attraction like does it just like flip your switch one day like it doesn't work like that um childhood best friends it's so much more of a natural progression where like they probably wouldn't even realize it also it probably helps because their wires get crossed because like i don't know i just feel like when it comes to all those things like the boundaries are really like you're down like your guard is down so you don't even think of things sometimes where it's like, oh, they're like just exploring each other's bodies. And it's like, I don't know. I just think there's so much more things can happen with childhood <laughs> best friends. It's so much more of a better thing, in my humble opinion. All right. So I know that like Friends to Lovers is your favorite, but I do really love Rivals to Lovers, maybe even more than Friends to Lovers. Like my Friends to Lovers is like brothers because, you know, they're friends first. But mm-hmm. when I get out of that, it's like, I don't know like how it's, you can switch over, I guess, from being friends to lovers to then start dating because you, you know, you like each other, you know each other, you understand each other. And there's like, like, where's the mystery of that? Like, where's that? Oh, I'm learning something new about you now kind of thing. Like, I'm all for rivals to lovers. Like, I love that spice. I am team Aomine and Kagami. I am team Ren Haru. You can't tell me that you didn't want Adam and Cherry to fuck even a little bit on skate. Like, of course, my heart totally belongs to Longa and Reiki and Joe Cherry, like blah, 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 of course. But are you that opposed to Adam fucking any of them? Like, you thought it was a little bit spicy when Adam and Longa was a thing for a couple of episodes. You can't deny that, right? I mean, I that so normally I don't have problems with problematic content, but that was one case where I was like, <laughs> uh, is nobody going to comment on the fact that this, like, old, old as fuck politician oh, yeah. dude <laughs> is, like, creeping on this, like, 17-year-old, like kid who just immigrated here there were problems there i think that so i 
you know, I'm on record even here saying childhood best friends, but there have been, there have been documented cases where I have been turned. Um, so I watched Tarn Type and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I like this because I, I mean, they're, they totally, total rivals to lovers, but I guess it was like, it's the cat Moe of seeing the guy who really doesn't want it. And then when he ends up like just totally getting fucked, it's so great. <laughs> So I think it's it's, kind of funny because I did not enjoy Tarn Type for that reason. But there's a spinoff now with two characters, uh, Leo and Fiat, who have been best friends since childhood. And I like them a lot more than I do Tarn Type. Okay. um, Well, we'll see. I mean, I I guess Tarn Type is one of my first exposures to Thai BL and having... mm -hmm previously only really watched like Pinoy BL I was ready for something that was like actually gonna like have some payoff so maybe I'm just biased because it was like really sexy but I think it's like for me specifically when you have the rival character who's like super super against which I guess they're both rivals they're both against each other but I guess in this case like I'm thinking of times where you've got one character who's pretty chill and the other character is just like I hate you for some reason like or I have a really shit personality and then he ends up getting like totally railed that's great because it, it happens too in um yes no or maybe like this one character mm. he's got like a total gat personality he's an asshole like at his core but he has to fake being nice and then when he finally drops the facade in front of his like partner i don't know it's i think that that's what's interesting maybe is that there are some characters who have to put on a mask versus others who who don't but um I'm going to always have to go with childhood best friends. Like if you, if you're mm-hmm. giving me only two choices at the end of the world, well, <laughs> at the end of the world, I want to keep both choices yeah. because more BL. <laughs> but if you're, you know, making me choose childhood best friends for life. I will say though, I actually consider Tarn type to be enemies to lovers, which I put okay. in a separate category than rivals yeah. to lovers. I know I tend to conflate them, which is bad on me, but no, it's because I mean, I'm like, uneducated. Get- about the about the nuances i have not yet fully seen the light i suppose don't worry there is always time like longa and reiki that is rivals because they're competing as crystal marie like explained to us Mm -hmm. but normally i of course would not be for the psychotic middle-aged politician obsessed with a children's racing game and you know obsessed with a teenager i just had like a realization skate like shit skate is so great because Reki and Langa are technically rivals but they function like childhood best friends but the mm. childhood best friends are Joe and Sherry but they function like rivals like oh my god Utsumi is so great oh my god like <gasps> I just had this moment of like this is an epiphany <laughs> my life has changed oh my god but final impressions on this anthology overall so I obviously really enjoy this collection a lot the stories are quick simple and satisfying like I read them during my very minimum breaks between crunch for upcoming queen city anime con and they were a nice little way to like get my sanity back (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i think that these are the perfect length too if you're wanting to kind of explore a trope that you don't normally uh, go for um Mm -hmm. because there's there's really not a lot on the line for you um like i I think that you're not as committed to like a super long volume when you get halfway through Mm -hmm. and you realize you really don't like it um it really helps you explore quickly um, and it's also just like, if you're looking to fill in things, um, and I always enjoy being able to read things from up and coming artists or people who, you know, you wouldn't normally be exposed to this because it's not the type, it's not long enough to be published by a regular publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm be, I'm, I'm getting to read things that probably wouldn't come across my radar and I'm really grateful for that. 
yeah, like this is just the bite-sized stories, right? And they're sweet and cute. And if you want to like, if you're a friends to lovers, faithful, and you want to dip your toes into the dark side of rivals to lovers, this is for you. And if you are a dark and spicy rivals to lovers fan, and you want to know like what the sweet vanilla side looks like, give this one a try. It's the perfect length and they're sweet and cute. And I, I would, really would recommend this to, to anyone. Um, also just like trope lovers. Like if you like love tropes and you love like identifying tropes and you want a super quick fun read, I, I'd say read this. Would you recommend this for anyone in particular? I actually think this would be really good if you're starting out. Um, like maybe if you're a fan of something like Skate, <laughs> where uh, you haven't read a lot of BL proper, so to speak. This is a good way to, again, really quickly explore different tropes because um, it's already building on the, the literacies that like, if you're a fan of sports anime and you've kind of been shipping things, even without reading a lot of BL manga, you're still using these same literacies because it's all over the fan fiction. It's all over doujins. Um, it's what we all talk about. So I think that it's it helps kind of ease you into that. Um, but I also, again, think that if you're maybe like a hardcore Fujoshi who's really looking to do a lot of good in terms of supporting independent artists or you're reading everything that's coming out in the U.S. and it's still not enough, Rotten Blossoms is really filling that kind of gap uh, for legal things mm -hmm. so that you really, like, there, there shouldn't be any, you should always be able to find a new BL at this point. Yes. <laughs> so I think young, uh, young and old Fujoshi in the sense of how long we've been reading. Yeah. You were just talking about how your shelves can no longer hold the amount of new BL you tried to buy. I think I'm going to have to switch to digital from, I don't know. I say that. I'm probably going to buy more <laughs> physical <laughs> manga. But it's it's nice. I, there are so many more digital options now, which is really, this is like even within the last two years. I mean, because things like Futuki are only like two years old too. Um, mm -hmm. And it, within the last year, we've had so many new groups. Um, and, it, and again, like Rotten Blossoms is fulfilling a different kind of niche because it's it's independent artists. A lot of times it's shorter doujinshi link things that aren't going to even mm -hmm. be picked up by the bigger BL subscription services. So I'm curious to see because you never know when one of these artists is going to hit it big. Like all our favorite BL manga costs started somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really kind of a cool way to get your foot in at the ground door with some creative talent, too. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Rotten Blossoms for sharing Oyu Sensei's comments with us and those fun extras that we got to see. Do you guys, have you read Crossword Men? Do you love dense cross-dressing boys? Do you think Rivals to Lovers is better than Friends to Lovers? Yes. Be sure to let us know. You can follow us on our social media at TFW everywhere to stay up to date with the latest Beale Garden and FujoCon news. We will have FujoCon news at some point. Mm -hmm. Tag us and at Rotten Blossoms on Twitter. That's at Rotten underscore Blossoms with your thoughts on today's episode and OU's Crossword Men. Or you can email us at BealGardenOfficial at gmail.com. Thank you guys again for listening to today's episode and we will catch you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the 801 Reviewed. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out on our website at BLGardenDFW.com or check us out on Twitter at BLGardenDFW. If you love this podcast and are considering supporting us, find us on Patreon and you can get your name on the podcast like Barb Cold, Puck, Ray, Twiggly, Audrey G, Carlise Williams, Jacqueline Gonzalez, Joe Kiss, Anna, Christina Coleman, CJ, Crystal Marie, Dusty, Embo Snoodler, Kendra Lawrence, Marina Carlson, and Rita Wynn. In addition, please consider leaving a five-star review wherever you listen. We really appreciate every last one of you. And until next time...
This is your host, Izora, signing out.